Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast with Owen and Ken. Hi Ken. How you doing Owen? Um, doing pretty good Ken because it's been far too long since we got a nice juicy Roy Keane embroiled in row with su- such and such a person kind of story. Right. And I'm very excited to find that today Roy Keane is embroiled in a heated row with WWE wrestler Wade Barrett. Right. This stems from... Uh, if you've been on, <laughs> this sounds pretty dignified. It's a pretty dignified spat here. Um, sort of a one-sided spat so far. Well, anyway, it stems from Keane's analysis of Manchester United's captain, Wayne Rooney, on ITV last night after their drab score to straw with PSV. So here what Keane said. I, um, I always think, uh, you look at Wayne's legacy at Manchester United, it's absolutely fantastic. His goals record, brilliant. But now he's the captain, there's a bit more responsibility and I think he's got to do a lot more. I always question certain players, what are they doing off the field? You know, I see, I see Wayne getting involved. I saw him last week, you know, at some wrestling, slapping a wrestler. I'm thinking, why is he getting involved in all that nonsense? It's, you know, there's no benefit to him. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd have a look at that side of it. Well, you think that's, that might be causing an impact with well, his play on the well, field? Well, it's certainly not helping him. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't begrudge a player going out and enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. But if you're not at it yourself, you've got to have a, good, have a look and he's got to lead by example. And he didn't do that tonight. He, he doesn't look sharp. He looks mm-hmm. off. He doesn't mentally doesn't look really sharp. Physically, he doesn't look in a great shape. So he just needs to have a look at himself. Yeah, that's Roy Keane uh, talking last night. All guns blazing. Um, the wrestler in question, by the way, yeah. is Wade Barrett. I, yes, I mentioned Wade Barrett's name earlier. Mm-hmm. Rooney went along to WWE Raw a few weeks back. Got mixed up in a bit of a Barney with Wade. Yeah. Gave him a slap. I saw that. He decked him, yeah. Yeah, and Barrett has uh, Barrett's weighed in on this, Ken. He was tweeted by somebody, uh, by a guy called Ryan Johnson. At Wade Barrett, Roy Keane called you out on ITV tonight. Give him the bull hammer to shut him up, which I assume <laughs> it must be his finishing move. Yeah. Barrett quotes that tweet and adds... If Roy Keane's looking for a piece, I'll batter him too. <laughs> this is weird. Oh, dear. But why is Keane, like, I just don't get that. Why can't Wayne Rooney take his, his kids to go and see, like, some wrestling? <laughs> is that really such a big problem? I mean, isn't that what he was doing? He was there with, like, his son. Well, he was also a part of the show. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he was getting paid to do it or, or whether it was organized by the agent or whatever. It seemed as though it was very funny. I remember seeing. I mean, the if I was if I was Kai yeah. Rooney and I was like six or whatever he is, I'd be thinking this is the best thing ever. Well, actually, Kai Kai actually looked a little bit horrified if that was the kid who was who was standing beside him because yeah. quite a young man, mm. and this Barrett fella is quite a big man. Oh yeah, a lot bigger than Wayne Rooney. I, I kind of got the feeling that Wayne Rooney's son was thinking, Dad, don't get mixed up with. I mean, this guy's going to kill you. Yeah, he yeah. looked afraid for his father, and Rooney was just trying to look really serious, but was sort of smiling the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not the greatest acting chops. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's the best actor. Uh, he wears his heart in his sleeve. Uh, pretty but, cutting stuff by Keane overall, though. So he's basically saying he's got no focus. He's uh, overweight. Yeah, I mean, he's, if that's what out of shape means. He, he's not been, in a good shape. He's being quoted actually quite widely saying that Rooney looks awful, but actually he doesn't say. If you he, you heard it on the clip, he says he looks off, looks which off. is which is different. Yeah. It's not as bad as awful. Although he did did then did then did, then, did say. then say he's not in a good shape. So, <laughs> which you know, which is you know, read that uh, as you will. You know what whatever, whatever Keane's trying to say there, but. It's it is it's it's pretty harsh. I have to say I don't I don't really agree. I mean I kind of I kind of get where Kane is coming from in terms of, you know, it's not as though everything it's not as though this has been the outstanding season of Wayne Rooney's career, mm. and you know he is the captain and maybe it's important to sort of you know set the right example and maybe in the same way that you don't want to go out drinking and be seen in town having a great time in a nightclub after your team's just Jack got Reedish wants. style, yeah, Jack Grealish style. You, um, you know, maybe you need to be. Although, to be honest, I don't really think it's a big deal. It's, it's, it seemed to me he was just, you know, doing, and and, doing something with his kids. And like, Manchester United aren't exactly in the relegation zone either. They're having a very boring season. They're playing very boring football, but it's not as though the results have been absolutely disastrous either. No. So, yeah, it's a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, well, it's Roy Keane, Ken. Let's get into the report on sport. Yeah, it's not just Roy Keane, though. It's also um, uh, P. Skulls. Mm. Owen. Um, a man of a man of uh, fantastic opinions, I think was what Alex Ferguson said about him. Um, he's got great opinions on the game. You know, I always would ask Scott, you know, consult Scalzi. He's a wise man. He just cuts straight through to the nub of things. He dealt only in nubs. Uh, of, and, and actually... No, <laughs> you, nubs and kernels. And he, there's, just no, there's just no bullshit about Scalzi. You know what I mean? He just gives it to you straight. Like, for instance, he was asked on BT Sport the other night, is that the best central defensive partnership at the club, do you think? Blind and Smalling? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, said Scalzi. <laughs> he wasn't going to pretend to have an idea about what the best central defensive partnership at Manchester United is. He just gave it to you straight. He didn't know. Yeah. He, he couldn't say. Um, but Scalzi, talking about Mar Anthony Marshall, saying he doesn't look bothered... He doesn't look bothered uh, to be to, to score. He doesn't look bothered when he doesn't score. Just doesn't look bothered. You know, like he, he needs Anthony Marshall to be more obviously passionate about what he's doing on the field. Like Cristiano Ronaldo or somebody? I don't know. I'm trying to think of people who look really angry when they don't score and really happy when they do. Luis Suarez? Oh, yeah. Suarez is one. But, you know, I mean, you see Neymar in the field and he doesn't look angry ever. And I'd still say he's pretty good. Messi's not a particularly angry man. Yeah, he, he gets a bit angry sometimes. Got a bit angry with David Villa that time. Oh yeah, getting mm, the old silent treatment. Tore a few strips off, uh, off David Villa. I I find it a little bit harsh because, as you were saying, uh, they are second in the league. <laughs> I mean, the whole wrestling thing. I wonder where Keane even watches this stuff. By the way, yeah. does he lurk on Twitter? 
is he one of those guys with like an egg avatar <laughs> and like no followers and he follows like uh, 1800 people you know just and just sits yeah. there watching videos all day his Twitter handle is at Ryan Keane <laughs> like but his kids are getting older now so I'd say maybe he's getting it through his kids Oh yeah, they're like, here dad, look at this, this is hilarious. And then Keane is just like, <laughs> See this disgusts me, this just disgusts me. But um, Rooney, after the, the uh, game, I mean, it's not like Rooney was, was saying that, I mean, Man United played well. I mean, they drew nil all with PSV, it's a bad result, because it means they now have to win their last game to be sure of going through. Um, they can go through with a draw, but um, essentially they have to get at least as good a result as PSV get at home to... Seska Moscow in their last game. And given that Moscow have been quite poor in the group so far and PSV are at home, you would imagine they're going to win that. Mm. And if they do, then Man United need to beat Wolfsburg. And Wolfsburg are in a position where they, you know, if they lose, then they're going to be yeah. probably well, they're, they're if they lose, then they're out if PSV win. Anyway, it doesn't really doesn't really matter. The point is Man United are in a bad position where they could get knocked out even with a draw in, in Germany. Uh, Rooney saying we need to score more goals as a team. I believe it's 24 uh, goals in 20 competitive games. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but there's, there's definitely this, there's a bit of a problem here. Mm -hmm. He says, I feel we showed a lack of composure which put ourselves under pressure at times. It's a learning curve for us, but we can't keep on saying it's a learning curve. Yeah, in fact, that's maybe getting lost a little bit in the Keane and Skulls criticism. The fact that Wayne Rooney spoke quite interestingly. Yeah. But, quite, quite openly himself. Well, it's not like he's standing there going, a win's a win. Oh, so we didn't win, you know clean sheet you know he's not he's not trying to defend mm. the performance he's saying it was bad um, why is it a learning curve though what are they learning this is Van Hal's second season they're learning how to play Louis Van Hal football but surely that happens in the first year you would have you would have kind of thought I mean I suppose they brought in some new players but then again the players they brought in are guys like Schweinsteiger who, yeah, who it's knows happen every, you're bringing in players every season that, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with Wayne Rooney that the learning curve thing shouldn't be uh, relevant anymore they mm. should yeah, a lot of managers only get about two seasons in a job, so if you're still learning in the second, well, is there a parallel? Is there a parallel with uh, with Barcelona, for instance? I mean, remember we were talking um, the other day about Barcelona against Real Madrid mm -hmm. and the first goal that they scored, where they passed the ball, passed the ball, passed the ball, passed the ball, yeah. passed the ball, and then suddenly, you know, uh, as as you can put it, um, this is what Manchester United are trying to do, but they're not really pulling it off. Now, why is that? Is it because, I think it's because Wayne Rooney, Jesse Lingard and, you know, Memphis Depay or whoever it is, are not as good as Messi, Neymar and Suarez. I think you'd be on safe ground there, can you? I think that might be the, the big difference. Um, I mean, Van Hal is the guy who, um, who kind of, you know, did a lot to institute this style at Barcelona and also at Bayern Munich. But so far, there's not really evidence that it's working uh, or that it's taking root at Manchester United, I haven't really seen, I haven't really seen this. There's a lot of passing, but there's no um, incision. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, maybe you know. I, I, I'm inclined to think that the big problem there is is Wayne Rooney's not doing it. You know, I mean, maybe maybe Anthony Martial. I mean, Martial was playing as a forward uh, last night and didn't really have uh, that good a game. Real Madrid, or Barcelona, I should say, scored another one of those goals against Roma. Oh, unbelievable! Uh, and the point you made, I don't know if it was on the podcast or in your piece in the Irish Times about the need for everyone to speed those goals up now. You, you look yeah. for that on a vine, or, or even you look at a full clip on on, uh, on Twitter or whatever it is, 
and you're just getting the speed up version. The actual footage of the goal itself rarely exists now. You're seeing, which and it is kind of fascinating to see those goals speeded up. Yeah. Gives you a good sense of you can almost see where the defensive line starts to crack. Yeah, uh, but yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Guys are just like uh, they don't know which way the ball is going next, and they're just sort of getting confused. You know, this this is what Machine are trying to do, but the whole thing is just so ponderous. It's like it's not. It, you wouldn't even recognize it as the same type of thing. You know what I mean? It's like a, a kind of a primitive, uh, primitive attempt to emulate it. But Van Hal is saying, um, Van Hal trying to sound confident. Anything's possible. We can win anywhere. Uh, we made it hard for ourselves ahead of the last game, but we'll go to Wolfsburg with hope. Um, more than hope. I mean, so does that Wolfsburg are, you know. The, the idea of Manchester United winning there is, you know, I can easily imagine it, mm. you know. Um, uh, he says, I know goals are coming and going. It's not a consequence of good or bad performances. We could have scored three goals tonight. The next game, we could score out of nothing. That's football. Uh, we won our home game against Wolfsburg, so why can't we win away? We're still second in a qualifying position. We could end up in the Europa League, you know, and, and the Europa League could have a massive representation from the Premier League because obviously Liverpool and Tottenham are already there. Arsenal could well be in it if they, um, you know, they, we know what they have to do away to the Olympiacos. They have to win by two or by better than 3 2. Uh, Chelsea could be in it as well. Mm. Chelsea can still get knocked out, although they are likely to progress. I mean, City are the only English team going into the last match that you are definitely into the next round, which is, again, another poor performance, really. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about Jack Grealish? Well, we might as well mention Grealish uh, because, oh, Remy Gard has has been talking about him now, again, and it has dropped him from the, from the squad. I mean, we knew that he was busted down to the, to the youth team, back to the youth team with you, Jack. And this was because he went out on the lash you know, Give it a last Jack headlines. Why shouldn't he? You know, why shouldn't young Jack Grealish uh, get out there and prabs and old, as they say? Why shouldn't he? Um, well, what does Remy Gard's quote? See, the, Grealish has been very stupid here because it was only a few days ago that Remy Gard was talking about him and not in a particularly complimentary way. I mean, he was saying, Jack, for me, is a very gifted player with a lot of skill and quality, but... What I saw in the last few games he played was not the level he should have played. It's as simple as that. Uh, he needs more confidence and more structure in his game. He was running everywhere. We've tried to work on that. I have to say he's been good in training these last two weeks, but for me, he is an unfinished player. So that's a manager saying, this guy is a long way off where he needs to be. It's also a manager saying that publicly. So yeah. clearly weighing it up and, and thinking, with this particular player, with his personality, he needs a rocket fired here. Yeah. And I'm gonna have to, and I'm gonna do it publicly. That's the way to get him going, which means there's an attitude issue. And it also means he feels that the best way to get at him is publicly, which is not how you usually think of managing players. But he you know, he's he's saying this to, to Grealish, and this is a clear signal. You know, if Grealish Grealish needs to to listen to this and to figure out, okay, what's he trying to do here? I mean, Grealish, remember, he does have a, have a cocky attitude. I mean, remember the thing that he said to Sherwood? You know, Sherwood said, I'm putting you in the team, Jack, expecting Grealish to like fall to his knees and oh, burst yeah. into tears. And he said, bedtime. <laughs> did like, he actually, though? Yeah, according to Tim Sherwood, oh, he did. Oh, okay, well, that's... Tim Sherwood yeah. said that. But that, okay, so that's a few days ago from Remy Card. Then Grealish goes out, and uh, and apparently, I mean, you know, according to reports and there's videos, you know, of him kind of doing this ludicrous face and, you know, having a few babies. And then uh, the next day, apparently, this continues, you know? You're like, who, come on, you can't, you cannot be serious. And this is after, this is a few days after his manager's had a cut at him in, in public. So what, what does he think is going to happen now? The manager looks like an idiot if he doesn't act. So, 
And now Remy Gard saying, you have to behave as a professional. And it was not the case this time for Jack. He will not play with us. It's already a big punishment for a player. Now we'll see the next step. Uh, so there's like, oh, how long is he going to be in the mm. under-21s wilderness? And uh, Remy Gard saying, he, know, he knows, Jack knows, but is staying private with him and me. Uh, he's got a lot of ability, but he needs to improve his game and work at it. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully he does. Uh, I have to say, it's not, it's not good. This has been a few, there's a few times now this has happened. Mm. You know, more than, more than with a lot of players. I don't know if it's just that he particularly enjoys documenting all of this stuff. I mean, obviously it wasn't him that documented the Tenerife. <laughs> I was just about to say, yeah. To, to that, it wasn't quite in the um, physical or mental state to take any selfies. No, but, but I mean, I remember when he, when he was flying out to Tenerife or wherever he was that time, he was, you know, he was posting loads of photos of himself and his, and his mates sitting around, you know, trying to look really cool <laughs> and you know it was obvious they were they were all gonna go on absolute rip you yeah. know on Tenerife and he was quite happy to share this with the world I'm thinking you can do that I, I you know that was a summer holidays you know fair enough you know if you want to do that you know fine but like why do you have to tell everyone you're doing it you know you, you've it's a bit like um, the point Keen was making I suppose with this wrestling thing yeah sure maybe it's not really a problem in itself but it doesn't create the right impression um, especially when you're then photographed unconscious on the street. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully Remy Gard manages to get him, you know, that you're not actually looking at a developing problem here rather than just a, a guy making a couple of mistakes. I do sometimes, age. yeah, and I do sometimes forget that he has now declared for England. By the way, even we talked about yeah. it there, I, I, it feels like I have a vested interest in his player, which I don't. I have to. Hey, you never know. Don't. Oh, yeah, could he... Well, has he played for England yet? No, certainly not. Could he re-declare for Ireland or indeed... Uh. Declare for our senior declaration has no is there a sign legal is there, status exactly yeah um, maybe you know maybe Roy Hodgson saw this and was furious maybe called him up and gave him what for down the phone told him he'd never play for England again Martin O'Neill possibly maybe just a gentle approach to his father saying listen we understand the lads under a bit of bit of pressure at the moment but uh, we're rooting from over here in Ireland yeah so I don't, I don't, I don't, don't think that conversation at this stage we are in the European Championship. Anyway, yeah. uh, where were we? Um, oh yeah, we mentioned Barcelona already, but just the quality of their performance against Roma. It was weird that, you you know, you get these results in the Champions League. Uh, it's kind of a depressing scoreline in a way. Barcelona 6, Roma 1. Yeah. It's like, that, that shouldn't be happening. Um, and usually a game with a scoreline like that is a kind of a one-sided, dull thing to watch. You know, it's like, whoa. It's kind of not really contest. Not really contest. Why are we? You know, it's kind of a bore. Mm. But this was just amazing. You know, to watch this, and it's because these three uh, players are kind of amusing themselves now. You see, there's, there's this video of them in the tunnel. You know, kind of having a laugh before they go out. So they're kind of quite friendly. But then they're going out. They're going out in the field, really to enjoy themselves. It's like, what are we going to do today? And you're kind of waiting to see what they're going to do next. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, aside from the goals. Uh, there was Neymar. I mean, well, Neymar did have a blot in his copybook in the form of a stupid missed penalty. He's he's got more variation in his penalty kick run-ups than any player I've ever seen. But I remember him in the in the World Cup against uh, uh, Croatia, and his his run-up to the ball uh, for for the penalty that he scored in the second half was was just unbelievably elaborate. It was like a a kind of a question mark shaped run-up. And there was all kinds of pauses and stutters and little, um, you know, he, he threw in a lot of little shimmies into his run-up. The one the other night against Roma, it was literally one step up to the ball and then a weak shot, easily safe. <laughs> I don't know why he can't just do a standard 
straight run up and smack it into the net. You know, it's a simple thing. Like a penalty kick is just there's no there's no need to get too clever with it. Like no, I mean I, I'm always a fan of the a straighter run up as possible. Yeah, Mendieta. Did Mendieta always obviously he gave the keeper the old eyes? That was a great skill that he had. Yeah, just kind of stare at the goalkeeper as he's knocking the ball to one side of him. But most, most players who are good at penalties just do a straight run-up. It's difficult. It makes it more difficult for the goalkeeper to tell which way they're going to go, and then they don't do anything too fancy. I think of Ronaldo's obviously pretty good. But he, he hits them a bit harder than a lot of players. Zidane was a great penalty taker who, who also did that just a straight run-up stare at the goalkeeper, you know, with a cold, murderous can, stare yeah, yeah, yeah. for a few seconds. and then. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, that was the one complaint you can make about Neymar. He did have this amazing piece of control where the ball was played diagonal ball 45 yards to him and he kind of controls it with his his wrong foot. Essentially, like, wraps his right foot around his left leg and controls it just because he can. Um, they were comparing, I saw people tweeting about it, which is better, this or Sanchez? I don't know if you saw Sanchez's move. No. For, oh, it's unbelievable. Another diagonal pass like that. But this time... Sanchez is watching the ball coming down and then just turns his back and controls it like with the back of his, uh, sort of just the middle of his, between his shoulder blades and kind of knocks it over into his own path. It was ridiculous to be able to do that. You, his eyes are off the ball for quite a distance if the ball's coming down. The judgment uh, required to control a ball like that, unbelievable. Um, I don't know, I go, what's the point of me sitting here talking about these things when everybody can just watch them on the internet and, yeah, can't really add much. No, I'm I just sure. want to put on record my respect for these men. Yes, they are great men doing great things for football at the moment. Again, Rafa Benitez, another great football man. We thought he was on the way out during the last yeah. football podcast. Well, that was the thing. That, that was the, they had announced they were doing this press conference, um, and we thought, well, that might be it for Rafa. But actually, it turned out it was Fiorentino Perez coming out to support Rafa and and attack uh, the media and the fans. Um, we think Rafa's the right person. This is this is Perez speaking on Monday. We think he's the right person, but we must let him work, not listen to those making up lies that the board doesn't want him or the players that want him. He's a good relationship with the players, the board, and me in particular. We ask for support for our players. Um, some journalists just want to destabilize us. There are people who make lying their reason to be. They want to damage Real Madrid. This is Perez having a go. Never has Cristiano Ronaldo said to me, with this coach or this club, we will win nothing. He's never said anything about anyone. He's a good guy. All that comes out about me wanting to sell and meeting with people is people wanting to destabilize this club. Also had a, had a cut at some of the fans. Uh, we wanted to kick the ultra stirs out of the club two years ago. Um, this was, you know, he was basically blaming a small element of the fans for leading this chant for him to resign. He's like, oh, hey, I get it, I get it, but we all want Real Madrid to win. Real Madrid anyway went off, played Shakhtar, 4-0 up, ended up only winning 4-3, letting in three goals in the last 12 minutes. And this is similar to something that happened when Benitez was managing Inter. They were 4-0 up against Gareth Bale in Tottenham, and Bale scored... Well, I can't remember if he scored a hat-trick, but he definitely there was three goals laid on for Tottenham. Are you not entertained? Benitez could rightfully claim. You want goals. I know, but it's just a bad, it's just a bad way of the goals being arranged in the match, you know? You've won 4-3, and everybody feels terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it feels worse than a defeat. It feels like, oh my God, you know? It's falling apart. How could we collapse like that? You, a 4-3 result looks good, and actually it, it feels like something, there's a sickness in this team. That's pretty conclusive, though, from Perez, though, isn't it? It is, but you know, he also says, "Who knows what will happen in six months?" Right. Uh, well, I mean, you could, you could decide that, Paris. You know, you, you, you know, but he's, he doesn't want to look that far ahead. You know, he's a, he is, after all, only the all-powerful club president. So, uh, yeah. The only other thing uh, we were going to mention is um, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. A new ebook about him is out today. 
Um, it's uh, called Reading the Game. It's by a guy called Moritz Rinke. And he, uh, R-A-N-K-E, he talks to Klopp. Uh, you know, there's, a, there's an interview with him which, is, which uh, was in a few of the papers yesterday. It's interesting, interesting stuff. I mean, uh, the book is about the last uh, season at Dortmund, which obviously wasn't a good season. Uh, and I came across then this, the, uh, he, it's put to him, there was a, there's a philosopher in Germany. Germany is the kind of country that it still has, you know, philosophers. <laughs> we, you, you very rarely see philosophers sounding off about football and, you know, the Irish and, and English media. It just doesn't tend to happen so much. In Germany, maybe, yeah. Uh, Wolfram Eilenberger uh, was asked, was asked to uh, give his views on what had happened to Bristol Dortmund this year in January. And reckoned that it was the cult of that Klopp had turned Dortmund into something like a cult or a sect, uh, with this all-powerful leader um, uh, who, who couldn't be questioned by anybody, mm. and the fans would rather lose with Klopp than win with someone else. And he said he believed it was quite a cutting uh, interview. I mean, I don't, I have no idea what this guy. Show us your medals, Eilenberger. I don't know what his football qualification. I don't know if he's a real football man, but he was saying, look, all the symptoms are there. You know, this leader who's elevated, you know, he's, he's given this magical status by supporters. Nobody can question anything about it. You know, uh, yeah. the group, the group is all powerful. And then he's, uh, he's talking about um, the problem with Klopp is he's great at uh, being an underdog. Uh, but, you know, once, once Stormy became kind of a big team and we had to win a lot of their games, we expect, that was expected of them. He wasn't so good. He's good at making, he, he said he's good at making players play better. But is he? Does he have Guardiola's ability to get the last, the the last five percent towards perfection? That you know Guardiola's doing with say Robin and Philip Lam. Does he have that that ability to take a great player and really make them the best they can possibly be? This was this was this philosopher guy. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying this. Is no, my but in, view. interestingly, Jurgen Klopp gave a very interesting interview actually to an eight-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. This is, it's called Cops Kids, or Cop Kids, I should say, official Liverpool, I think it's an official Liverpool uh, arm of Liverpool yeah, TV yeah, station. They, yeah, they do these cute, cute videos. Yeah, it's really nice. So this kid is interviewing, uh, is interviewing Klopp. Uh, the kid is am- amazingly confident, but he's one of those kids that he's not too confident. Mm. You, know, you know these eight-year-olds that are just a little Very bit... Very precocious. This guy, this, yeah, you're this, like, there's a touch of questions about this guy, but he's, he seems like a nice kid. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say this kid seems like a nice kid. Uh, Jurgen Klopp deals with him brilliantly. It's all very touching. But one of the questions is a great question, actually. Yeah. What do you love about football? Well, what is about football you love so much? Something along those lines. And Klopp said, I love football because you can always beat the better team. You don't have to have as good a team. You can beat the better team. That's why I like the game, and that's why I like management. It's interesting. It's exactly it ties into what my philosopher friend is saying. Wolfram Eilenberger. He, he didn't say, I like it because you get to crush the smaller teams when you're the favourites. No. He said you get to manage the players against better teams and win the matches. Hurl the little streets upon the great. Well, I mean, it worked at Dortmund um, for a while and then it stopped working. And your man was basically saying, he's run out of ideas. He can't really, you know, he said, what I fear is is the vengerization of Dortmund, mm. um, where this guy, this and he and he talks about Arsenal being a club that he, where this has already happened years ago. Wenger is like this, oh, you know, we can't, we need him. You know, everyone everyone has this false idea that they're reliant on this kind of messianic figure in in terms of Wenger. And he said, I think the best thing that could happen would be a swap. Uh, Klopp go to Arsenal, Wenger comes to Dortmund, they'd both be revitalized and maybe they'd help other teams. But he did say, I think that he. He needs he needs another challenge where he's the underdog. And actually, when you look at it, it's exactly what he has done by going to Liverpool. 
you know, a team that hasn't really won a big uh, title in a long time. He knows that if he does win a big title with them, it will be you know, a huge thing. And that's exactly, I mean, the, the Klopp disagreed with, you know, you know, the guy put a few of the points in him. He said, oh, it's nonsense. You, you always see a little bit of someone's true motives when they come up with something like that. I don't want to make clubs dependent on me. So Klopp is like, you know, batting this away. But what the guy said was that he, he wants another challenge where he's the underdog. And that's exactly what he's uh, taken on. That's it for Kennedy's report on sport. And he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. the humorous competition. I saw that. Important man for my selection. Gabriel Mercotti is ready to talk to us about, Gab, Manchester United's miserable pundits, former Manchester United players, that is, who are now speaking about their club, Paul Scholes and Roy Keane in particular. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about what Scholes says and quite a lot about what Keane had to say about Wayne Rooney. First of all, do you agree with Roy Keane? Should Wayne Rooney stay away from WWE wrestling? Um, well, I mean, like, if it's his day off, he can do what he likes. It's not his, as long as he's not doing stupid things like... Um, Boxing with uh, boxing in his uh, in his kitchen and uh, falling over backwards and nearing nearly hitting his head on the on the marble countertop. Um, I think going to WWE was probably safer than what he was up to uh, last year. Well, he did claim that that boxing was um, a hoax, not a hoax, but that it was staged, didn't he? Wasn't that the? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, a, a, I, eventually I, what he came out with. Let me put it this way: um, maybe he decided to get these Hollywood special effects guys to go and you know, make the video and, and, and have a stink that he was falling backwards. I think even if he was pretending to fall backwards, his head came uncomfortably close, um, to, to that countertop. That, that's all I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think Phil Bardsley was going to break his jaw or anything, but still didn't seem like the cleverest thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what you made of these, these criticisms. I thought it was interesting. I mean, you've got Keane and Skulls, two of the great figures in the history of this club, um, both of them exceptionally grumpy. Um, but interestingly, I think the criticisms that they make are all to do with apparent attitude and optics. You know, Keane isn't, isn't happy because, because Rooney goes to, to WWE event and I don't know, you know, this, this doesn't look good. Skulls is saying Anthony Marshall doesn't look bothered. He doesn't look bothered if he scores. He doesn't look bothered if he doesn't score. They're not making any points about football at all. It's all about how, how people are kind of comporting themselves. Okay, so I, I mean, I think we need to, to separate Keane from Skulls a tiny bit here. Um, and and I think the first thing I want to say is these people are, are now employed by the, by the media. And I'm actually grateful for the fact that they give us what they honestly believe, um, assuming this is what they honestly believe, uh, because it shows that they're being professional in their, in their new careers. I, I know Roy Keane has a side job with the with the FAI and all that, but let's just put that to one side for a second. Um, but that said, that doesn't mean that everything that they say is going to necessarily be be valid. As far as Keane's concerned, 
I can see where he's coming from. He's he's obviously, I mean, and you guys know this better than I do. I'm thinking back to uh, to the 2002 World Cup in Korea. He obviously cares a lot about uh, the way the way things appear and and you know not wanting to go and have golf outings when when you should be focusing and working and looking a little bit more professional and you know I. I mean, assuming that's what his gripe was about and it was legit back in 2002, and again, you guys would know better than me, I have less of a problem there because, you know, it's it's consistent. Um, and then I think, you know, when your team is doing badly, uh, and then I think, you know, United, I don't care, you know, these mugs coming out and saying, oh, but they're in fourth place. Yeah, no, they spent more money than God. It's not a great Premier League, and the reality is they're not playing well. Um, when that happens... You shouldn't. You should probably try to keep a lower profile and keep your head down. I think that's fine. Scholes' thing about Anthony Martial's body language, I think, is just absurd. You're gonna sit there and you're gonna moan about a 19-year-old kid who who comes from a culture that's maybe a little bit different than yours, um, and doesn't you know doesn't necessarily show the emotion in the same way that you think he should show the emotion. Uh, you know. Somebody go and, and remind Skulls that you know he often showed emotion in games by making homicidal ta- tackles on opponents and getting himself sent off, which you know, uh, like I, I I think what matters is is Marcel putting in the effort? Is he being as productive uh, as you would expect a 19 year old kid who's really only had you know in aggregate nine months as a starter and who cost a world record fee and is moving to one of the biggest clubs in the world? is he ahead of the curve in terms of production? And I think by any metric, then Martial is. And I think that's what really matters. Yeah, in Paul Scholes' defense, I think he was usually very good at, at not getting sent off for those tackles. Um, he had a Yeah, and still making those ability. tackles and then, you know, not talking to the media. I mean, like, if you, if you look, I, I think a lot of pe- people forget a lot of things. I mean, in Scholes', mm-hmm. to Scholes credit, when he, when he wrote his book, right, he talked about how, you know, he refused to go and, uh, and play in that League Cup tie. Uh, because he was going to play with all the scrubs and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, people act in different ways at different stages of their career based on their personality. I I, I don't see how, you know, from afar you can look at Martial yeah. and start criticizing him for bad body language or, or lack of effort or whatever when, like I said, the guy is 19 years old. Yeah. Gab, imagine you were uh, Louis van Gaal for a minute, right? You're the manager of Manchester United. You've got this assistant, Ryan Giggs. Um, everywhere you look, you seem to see a former Manchester United player, frequently a bosom buddy of your assistant, uh, talking about uh, how terrible your team is and how you know things aren't really working out. I mean, you, you know, you've got this class of '92, this sort of brand. You know, they're big businessmen in the city. Uh, one of them is like dominating Sky Sports' coverage. You know, the other one's on B- BT Sport. You know, some of them aren't even involved in the class of '92, but everyone's kind of saying the same thing. What are you? What are your feelings about all this? I mean, do you do you talk to Ryan Giggs about this and Ryan Gage? You know, what's going on? Do you you know how do you feel about this situation? I think we should give Van Hal a little more credit in this regard. Um, like the Van Hal is Dutch, right? Uh, he comes from a culture in Holland where people speak very very freely about football, and they clash all the times, and they're and, and they're expected to be honest. And club loyalties don't really matter since, you know, it seems that sort of 70% of every Dutch player has had some kind of involvement with Ajax at one point or another. 
So he tried to slightly play the club loyalty card, you know, when he said, why doesn't Scholes talk to his good friend, Ryan Giggs, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, he backed away from that because he said, you know, I think he realizes that it's, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. You know, he wouldn't, it would be pretty cheap for, to try to get gigs and to, to go and talk to gigs, or to go and talk to Neville and Scholes and say, hey, you know, lay off us. You would hope, I would hope if, if, if I had access to Ryan Giggs and I, and I was Paul Scholes or Gary Neville, that I would talk to him off the record on background um, and say, hey, what were you guys trying to do here? What was the thinking? Blah, blah, blah. Because that way I think I could provide a better analysis. Oh, yeah. It would be a more informed analysis. This is the I thing. have no, no idea if Skulls. I mean, do you think Skulls and Gary Neville pick up the phone and talk to you, talk to, to Ryan Giggs? Absolutely. You think so? I think so too. I think I think so absolutely. I don't see I don't see why not. I mean, they have to talk to each other because they're running this big business together, aren't they? I mean, they're running. Are they really are they really running this big business, or is it just sort of Peter Lim's servant who's going who goes and runs this all for them? They've got to turn up to you know PR events together at least. I mean, they're you know they 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 seem to have this relationship. I'd be I'd be kind of surprised if they didn't talk. Actually, now I I have to say I don't know I don't know for sure. It's not like I'm tapping their phones. You know I don't, I don't know what they're saying to each other. But it's, <laughs> but it strikes me from from the way Paul Scholes talks about Man United that he's not hearing too many positive things. I mean, if I was you know if I'm Ryan Giggs, I mean I'm 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 imagining all this again. But if I'm Ryan Giggs, I'm kind of definitely. I'm thinking maybe I should at least tell some positive lies. Even if I don't feel things are going that well, I'm just going to lie and say everything is going amazingly well. You just wait. This team is about to explode. You know what I mean? And I get the impression Paul Scholes isn't hearing that. Well, look, I, it, it could be that, you know, he is trying to lie to Paul Scholes and Paul Scholes sees through it. It could also be that Ryan Giggs is kind of like, you know what? It's not really in my interest to lie because the reality is I'm an assistant to a guy who's going to be gone in 18 months. And if I had ambitions to, to, to be the manager at Old Trafford, which presumably Ryan Giggs does, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd look to play my cards right. You know, I, I would probably be pretty frank and open about what bits of, of Funhouse work I agree with, what, what, what bits maybe I don't agree with privately because I, I trust these people. But, you know, if I flat out lie to, gig, to, uh, to Skulls and Neville and, uh, and then, and then we're terrible one way or another. You know, it don't, it don't come back to, could well come back to haunt me as well. So I, I don't see why he would necessarily lie about it. Again, assuming he engages with with Skulls and Neville, um, and, and they do that privately. And I don't know that you know that we can take that as a given one way or another. Yeah, I, I do find it an interesting situation to watch. But I mean, if if we talk now just about your opinion on on what's actually happening on the field, I mean. Okay, another nil-nil last night. This, you know, they've they've had this problem scoring goals, and people have looked at Rooney and suggested maybe there's a problem there. Um, but there's also the the style of the team. Obviously, you get the crowd all shouting attack, 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 and I think it puts the team under a bit of psychological pressure. I'm actually reminded of um, something Guardiola said uh, in his towards the end of his first season at Bayern. He said, "I'm trying to do something countercultural here." Um, you know the the crowd the, the crowds here they like that kind of football that Dortmund play they like this kind of all action running around I'm trying to do something which people aren't familiar with and there's always going to be a bit of opposition do you get the sense Louis van Gaal is is, is doing something countercultural there and what do you you know do you think that he's managing to pull it off I mean is it is it too early to say whether or not this is going to work out or or is that stadium kind of mm, unhappy with this and maybe already beginning to think what's our next direction going to be. So I think he's 
well, A, he, he is struggling to pull it off. It's not working the way he would want it to work. Um, and I think that largely has to do with uh, with personnel and the way this personnel was put together and some of the injuries they've they've had. This attack, 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 attack thing is just beyond stupid, frankly. Um, just as this idea that, you know, we don't need a philosophy. We need a you know, we need to follow the Manchester United way, which is what Scholes did last weekend, which which made no sense to me. I mean, Louis van Gaal is a very attacking manager. He has been a very attacking manager throughout his career, uh, at, at really every stop. Um, so it's not a question of 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 United not wanting to attack or or van Gaal being more more conservative. Uh, it's a case of them not being able to do so because the players on the pitch either aren't good enough in some cases, or in other cases, uh, they're, they're simply not executing his game plan, you know, in, 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 a, in a way that works. Um, and everybody's sort of waxing lyrical about how great the defense is and, look, you know, isn't Smalling the new Rio Ferdinand or whatever. I don't know. I don't quite think so. I, when I look at that back four, for example, I think especially with Shaw out and, and obviously Valencia's out now, I think they attack a lot less and they provide a lot less support to the wingers who, who then have to do a lot more, for example. Um, I think, though, when you when you play, whatever combination of, of, uh, of guys in front of the back four, I think he feels he needs to play that because I don't know how much he trusts, frankly, Dali Blint or, 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 or Darmian or even, you know, Rojo is much more defensive as a fullback. And so I think they get less support from, from the midfield than than they would otherwise. Um, and I think that affects things further up. And, and further up, obviously, you've got Rooney, who's in a horrible you know, a state of form. You have the Pai, who's had his issues. Uh, you, know, you have Lingard, who, you know, okay, fine. But I, I don't think Lingard's, you know, the second coming of Ryan Giggs or anything. And, and I think it, 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 it screws everything up. But it's not because, you know, Van Howe fundamentally wants to be conservative and, and not to attack. Gab, just lastly, they've got themselves um, into a bit of a bind now in this group. I mean, they might well have to win this last game. They do have to win the last game at Wolfsburg to be sure of going through. Do you think they'll pull through? Uh, I would say more no than yes. Um, you know, to, 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 to go there and to have to go and, and win the game, which they'll almost certainly need to because you assume PSV will, will, will pound uh, Seska Moscow. I think that's, frankly... Too big an ask. But you know what? Maybe it's not the end of the world. Maybe if they get knocked out there, you know, they can have a, a renewed focus on the league. You know, their league position is not that bad. They'll, they'll tell you they're, you know, they're only a couple points uh, away. And, you know, and I think this team has several other levels uh, to which it can go. Um, so I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be bad long term. But if I had to bet, I would probably bet that they're not going through. All right, Gabriele Brinstow, thank you. My pleasure. The training pitch is a disgrace. Somebody's got somebody's to hold a hand up and say, it's like training on a car path. No, 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 no regrets about it, no. As soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Who, John Delaney? He could have phoned me, of course he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. As an ex-player and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born in Radio, then I, I thought I was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the 
Do you agree with Gabriel again about the stupidity of the attack, attack, attack chance? <laughs> well, um, I mean, the, I, I'd say Van Hal thinks it's really stupid because he's saying, look, I am attacking. This is how you attack. You know, you get the ball. That's that. You're the you're the team that's that's dominating the game. You're the team that has the ball and is trying to make something happening. That's attacking. You don't attacking doesn't necessarily mean raining balls down on the penalty area and getting you going up and clashing heads with the defenders and trying to you know shooting every time you, you get a glimpse of goal. You know, there's other ways of attacking as well. Attacking with possession, attacking with control. That's what we're trying to do. That's not really what. Um, I mean, Manchester United have usually played a much higher tempo than that, especially in their home games. That's what the crowd wants to see. I mean, that's what the crowd is turning up to see. You know, some some goals, action, you know, this kind of quite sophisticated, oh, you know, we're attacking, we're passing the ball halfway, we're attacking, you know, we're, we're um, what was soon as his thing that he said to Graham Hunter, finding the dummy, you know? Oh, yeah. That's what we're trying to do. There's a dummy out there, we're, we're going to look for him. But it, it takes on the quality of a long police investigation, a real, sl- <laughs> a real slog. That you dummy know. is just quite elusive. We think he's there somewhere, but this is going to take a lot of paperwork, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the crowd wants a bit more of it. I mean, the crowd is, there's nothing wrong with the crowd, in my opinion, letting the team know what it wants. Well, do you think that the attendance might su- start suffering? If the football continues to be so turgid, they'll know. stop selling out the, of course, all the season tickets, but they might just have those awkward, boring home games against... Watford, whoever it might be, uh, suddenly there's a few thousand empty seats in Old Trafford. I I think if that happens, that's a big that's a big canary in the coal mine. Definitely, I, d- I don't see any evidence of of the attendances being soft at the moment. Mm. Um, if it if it happened, it would be a big problem for Louis van Hal. But I don't, I actually don't see it. Yeah, I think the main thing is success. People will turn up to watch a team that's winning. If he can win, it doesn't matter if it's always one nil. You know, the crowd will be able to find a way to live with that. You know, um, yeah, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how it works. What he what he needs is for the the thing to click. He needs them to start scoring more than a goal in a bit every game. That's that's got to change. We had a great night last night at the Grand Social in Dublin, launching the second Captain Sports Annual Volume One as the official launch. A fairly uh, enjoyable, fairly frank and intense conversation at times around the viability of a United Ireland football team with Richie Sadler, Oshie McConville and Cormac Moore, who's written a book on the subject. They were all there for the launch. We'll have that out for you as a podcast today, so enjoy that one. The book is available in all good shops, uh, bookshops and on secondcaptains.com. Thanks so much, Ken. Thank you too, Owen. Thanks a million for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.